entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are a leader, so you can inspire others. My guest today is Michelle L. Sullivan. Michelle, welcome to the Business Builder Show. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, it's a thrill. Uh, I read your book. We'll get into all of this kind of uh, great stuff. And you're a great storyteller, so I'm looking forward to the stories. <laughs> you know? Thank you. All right. So here's the official introduction. Michelle Sullivan is the recently retired director of Corporate Social Innovation and President of the Caterpillar Foundation, the philanthropic arm of the $46 billion manufacturing giant Caterpillar, Inc. In addition to her 30-year career holding various leadership positions at the company, she recently helped transform the foundation into one of the world's most influential corporate foundations through the launch of its collaborative impact platform known as Together Stronger, a catalyst for shared prosperity that unites businesses, nonprofits, government, and citizens to continue their strengths to alleviate poverty for millions of people worldwide. I normally don't go through a long introduction like that, Michelle, <laughs> but I thought it was really important. So Michelle's book, the title is Looking Up. How a Different Perspective Turns Obstacles into Advantages. Now, this title is kind of catchy, so what's, give me a little background behind looking up, how a different perspective turns obstacles into advantages. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. So there is some significance to the title in that I was born with a rare form of dwarfism, so I stand four feet tall on a good day. <laughs> and so I spent my whole life literally looking up to people. There's not a whole lot of people smaller than me. And so that was significant. But also it taught me a position where I embraced looking up to people li figuratively as well because when you see the value that we all have, you really look up to them. Mm -hmm. So for me, I not only look up literally, but I look up to people figuratively all the time because it taught me that perspective. Mm -hmm. It was the best posture I could learn from my small size. And, you know, as I grew up, I really saw how people really um, help other people and they, they have good intentions. And it just is a, a very positive position to have where you automatically assume that you that person is a great person because they are 
Yeah, so I guess that's the second part of the subtitle, turns obstacles into advantages, and you've turned um, some obstacles into advantages. Let's get right into the book, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Chapter one, the title is Two Kinds of Growth. So first, I want you to explain that, and I'd like to go tell us about how your family impacted your view of life and your future, and I want to say something else before you answer that. I love the quote, I think it was from, from mom, who said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Right. So, a long question. <laughs> Did you get it all? <laughs> yeah. What, what, what part do you want me to start with? Well, first? let's start with two kinds of growth. Where, okay. where, what does that mean in the book? Give me the yeah. brief story on that. Yeah. So, we all think about when someone's really tall and you think, wow, and, and they must really be important, et cetera. And, and we, we put a lot of weight on, no pun intended, on how tall a person is. Mm. And obviously that didn't come into play for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you even hear people who have babies say, oh, my child is in the 90th percentile. And that's great but it doesn't really give any significance to what their outlook is going to be or mm-hmm. their skill set or mm-hmm. what a wonderful person they're going to be. Mm-hmm. And yet we really put a lot of weight onto our, you know, how we look. Right. And so it's interesting because you spend the first 18 or 20 years growing on the outside, but you spend three quarters of your life growing on the inside. Mm. When you think about it, the inside is the most important because that tells you what kind of person you are, the impact that you're having. And it's what you grow on the inside is the biggest impact in your life. Mm. And so internal growth is what I think we should talk about most because I quit growing at 10. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, that, that really had an impact because you know, everybody else kept growing, and the difference between us obviously was growing as well. Mm-hmm. But I did have to make a choice. The choice was, and it's really a choice that we all make every day. Do you accept your differences and try to make them fit into the world today or your challenges? We all face challenges every day, right? Mm-hmm. So do you just try to squeeze the peg into the, the hole or... The other option is, do you kind of hide and live on the fringe and just kind of survive? Or do you embrace your challenge or your differences and see them as an asset that can really have an impact? And so I choose the third one every day. Mm -hmm. Choose whatever my challenge is, and I embrace it as an asset, and I use that to make a difference in the world and you know, try to make an impact on people and also, you know, have a great life. But we all do that every day. So how and, did how did your family, uh, again, all this is in the book, what role did your family, mom and dad, et cetera, play in helping you to shape that view of the world? They really had a significant role, obviously, because first of all, they knew I was going to be a little person the day I was born. And the doctor said, take her home and treat her like everybody else, <laughs> which yeah. was a significant uh, comment because, you know, I was born five decades ago. Mm-hmm. And back then, a lot of people with 
uh, disabilities, they were not seen mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sent to maybe special schools, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was significant. And my parents would have done that anyway, but I didn't know I was little until I went to kindergarten. Mm. So, you know, they just treated me like everybody else and said, whatever you want to do, let's go do it. Until I got to kindergarten and I, you know, walked down the hall like I owned the place because I was so excited that my brother was going to school and now it's my turn. And I sat down in the circle with the kids and the little boy next to me stood up and said, why are you so little? You look different. I didn't think he was talking to me. So mm. I just kept playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then the girl on the other side said the same thing very loudly. And and quickly I could feel all that excitement dwindle away into uncertainty. And by the end of the day, I was outside the circle. And yeah. we've all had times where we felt underappreciated or overlooked and that day, I went to the car, and my mom said, oh, how'd it go? And and I remember this day like it was yesterday. And I said, I said, Mommy, is there something wrong with me? Mm. And she hesitated, and I'd never seen her do that before. And she goes, well, you know, you are different in that you're not going to be as big as everybody else, but you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do. Mm. And so, of course, at five, you don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. And as I went through the lower grades, I didn't understand it. All I knew is when I went out in public, they stared at me. And, and my parents kept giving me the confidence to step out. You have to step out and go get what you want. Yeah. And then I learned that I was great at math. And yeah. I became known as the <laughs> yeah. girl who was great at math. You yeah. know? And I went, oh, wow. You know, it's not... Yeah. Oh, there's that short girl, you know, <laughs> and then I learned chess and I became a champion chess player. And and it just my parents always said, you have to get out there. You can't hide. Yeah. And so they played a very significant role in my life. Yeah. I'll, requ- I'll, re- I'll repeat the quote. Uh, I believe it's from mom. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. Um, yep. and, and you've done that. So let me move to this. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but you wrote the okay. book. You'll know the answers. So, <laughs> so, so um, you talk about the fact that you had several surgeries mm-hmm. and that impacted your life in many ways, physically, obviously. And there are many people along that path. But tell me about Dr. K-O-P-I-T-S, how, however you would pronounce that. Tell me yeah. how about your relationship with him, Dr. Kobitz? Kobitz. Yes. Okay, talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, so he was at Johns Hopkins, and he treated people with skeletal dysplasias, which is what I had. And so all the patients were little people, and which was great. And he was the one, one specialist. And so, you know, the first time I met him, he took the first half hour and just talked to me as a person. Mm. And it wasn't like, oh, let's look at your hips, etc. And oh, you have such a rare type of dwarfism, and et cetera. It was about me as a person, and I found that really interesting, even at 12. Mm-hmm. And he leans over, and he says, he was Hungarian, so he had an ac- a strong accent, and he said, Michelle, you know that we can get you to walking and everything that you need, but you know that you have everything you need to be successful in life. And he looked right at me and said that. Wow. Wow. And so 
as we went through, and you know, this was decades of surgeries, and he was always so positive. And also because the other patients were little folk, little people as well, that I knew I wasn't going through this alone. Mm. And so the other piece of being at Hopkins, Hopkins is a research hospital. So there were people from all over the world there, many of them trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And, and some were there as a last resort. Mm-hmm. And it really was profound I had no idea, first of all, what could happen to the human body. Second, these people were looking for answers to save their life. And I was there because I had bad hips. Hmm. (laughs) And at 12 and 13, that hit me like a ton of bricks, how fortunate I was to be born in the country that would enable me to get a great education, give me the health care I needed, the parents that supported me in every way, but gave me the viewpoint that I have it pretty good. Wow. That's definitely a different perspective. So as we're, a teenager. As a teen that. yeah, that's teenagers uh, today are worried about their iPhone and <laughs> the car and you know Yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't thinking that at all. So, okay, so I am speaking with Michelle L. Sullivan. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-E, one L, and Michelle <laughs> L. Sullivan. And her book is Looking Up How a Different Perspective Turns Obstacles into Advantages. And we're hearing what a great storyteller Michelle is. There is a website that you can go to, and it is her website, I believe, right? MichelleSullivan.com. Is that correct, Michelle? MichelleLSullivan.com. But if you go to LookingUp.com, it takes you to the other. So LookingUp.com is easier to remember. (laughs) LookingUp.com. Well, since we're there, so LookingUp.com. So what are they going to find when they see it, LookingUp.com? That's your book title, obviously. Sure. You can pre-order the book from that page. And for every person that pre-orders the book, HarperCollins Leadership is going to donate a book to a not-for-profit. You can also see where I have spoken and other things about me. I also, um, when I speak, I wear a Looking Up t-shirt to have a positive impact on people. Mm -hmm. And now people wanted the t-shirt, so I went ahead and put them on Amazon. And it's funny because people think positively when they wear it. But the biggest thing is about the book. You can pre-order the book and share it with others and my goal is to inspire people to really what my mom said, start with what you have and you go get it. You know, the best advice I ever got from a friend was Michelle, the world is waiting for you. Run. (laughs) (laughs) So even that you took a different perspective on that, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) That was different, different (laughs) kinds of learning. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So lookingup.com, lookingup.com, go there, order pre pre order thousands of books. Um, okay. (laughs) I can't promise that Michelle. So, um, in the intro, I talked about Caterpillar Corporation or Caterpillar Foundation. So tell us, uh, how and when did you start your career at, at Caterpillar? So, While I was getting my master's degree at Bradley University, I interviewed at Caterpillar, and their headquarters was in Peoria, Illinois, where I lived. And my dad worked at CAT, and he retired from CAT later, and my sister works at CAT. So we're we're a traditional Caterpillar family. And I knew I could have a global career and experience 
And so I interviewed and I got the job. And this was 31 years ago. I started in IT and I moved all around. I was in marketing. I was worked with the dealers, product support, new product introductions, parts. And then in 2011, my dream job came open, the Caterpillar Foundation. And I always visited the folks down on the first floor because I've been involved in not-for-profits since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So it was a passion of mine. And Caterpillar is a passion of mine, obviously, with our family. Mm-hmm. So... It's the most wanted job at Caterpillar, I'd say, and it rarely ever comes open. Since 1952, maybe five or six people had had the job, and wow. you know, keep it for like 20 years. Yeah. So, uh, and my boss Leslie wrote a note on my behalf of why she thought I'd be a good person for the job, and and then I was one of three that got the interview, and I was ready. I had it all listed out, what I would do with using the Caterpillar brand to bring awareness to those in poverty, et cetera. And, and the CEO picks the job, and, and, and Doug picked me. And mm. I was beyond excited, and I treated it like the business. You know, we wanted the best return on investment for our dollars through our partners. And so we, we transformed it from transactional to strategic and influential mm-hmm. and it really took off in terms of impact and we could document that and I got to see the work firsthand through our partners mm-hmm. and the brightest thing for me I met people I would have never met and some were in extreme poverty and they were happy and they asked for help and got small business loans so they could farm their Hector and send their children to school, just like we want here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of poverty in the United States as well. Yeah. So it was great working with those folks and making an impact. And I look up to them. And in the book, I talk about several of the people that I met that you will never get to meet, unfortunately. And yet they inspire me every day. And yep. That's what looking up is about. It's not about how you look or anything like that. It's about, you know, that they're a person and they have aspirations and we all can make an impact. And I look up to them every day. Yeah. And that, again, folks, is spelled out in the book. So I want to go to that kind of opened the door for me to go to chapter eight. And I think the title of that chapter eight is Choose Intimacy Over Influence. And on page 125, you say, they sought to learn before they tried to lead. So talk to me about choose intimacy over influence. Right. So in my opinion, a leader, you know, I learned from leaders things I really like about what they do and and how they treat people. And then I also learned from leaders that I I wouldn't uh, want to work for. Okay. That was (laughs) carefully worded. I I did learn from them. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not about influence or power or really trying to push people when you choose intimacy and get to really know people and what their strengths are what makes them tick a leader actually gives attention to individualism and the one of life's most powerful realities is that we thrive because of others not in spite of them so when you try to push your way into getting somebody to do something it doesn't have near the impact 
that if you really got to know them and you saw what skills they had, and a lot of times people don't know what they can do. Mm-hmm. And for me, a leader inspires someone and gives them confidence that they can do it and what their skills are. But you have to know the person through intimacy before you try to, um, you know, influence just as like pushing your way in. And you don't get near out of them what you could otherwise, because if they believe in themselves, you will get more than you ever thought. Yeah, so to use the quote again out of the book, they sought to learn before they tried to lead. So there were learners along the way. They were learning about the person, and then the people were learning about themselves. Right, yeah. So I'm going to mention some praise for Michelle's book that comes from a person named Cheryl Sandberg. She should be recognizable to all. She is the chief operating officer of Facebook. This is what she said about Michelle's book. Michelle Sullivan's beautiful book shows us that cultivating empathy and compassion for others can bring out the best in us. Her message is much needed at a time when so much human progress Depends on connection and understanding. Well, God bless Cheryl Stanberg, huh, Michelle? (laughs) Yeah, she's a wonderful woman. And, you know, we talk a lot about I'm a little person, et cetera, and we all have labels, don't we, or or replace each other in silos. And people say, oh, you work for Caterpillar, you're a Republican. (laughs) And they go, oh, Michelle, you're in the foundation, you're a Democrat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, you know what? I'm a collaborator, and that's what makes the most difference is, you know, you don't pick a side, and look what's happening in our country today. Yeah. It's not about the people. It's about which which side are you going to pick, and I think we're losing a lot of um, people in the process because, you know, we can't get along, and so... For me, I am absolutely a collaborator, and, you know, in the foundation... We worked for the first time in advocacy and advocated for different people uh, in terms of poverty and girls and women so that they can get what they need and really prosper. Mm. And that's really when we started to make exponential change because you have to work at the grass tops for advocacy all the way through to the grassroots, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the groups that are working on the food banks, et cetera. And you have to work through that whole spectrum to really make an impact, a lasting, sustainable impact. So for me, I didn't care what side you were on. It, it made no difference. If we had the same mission, then, then we were there with you. It does help if you are good at math, though, right, Michelle? It does. You know, I, I was great at math. You know, in second grade, we played this game called Around the World, which is with flashcards. And you stood next to somebody's desk, and whoever gave the answer first got to move to the next desk. And yeah. I just, I, that was the first time I really shined and yeah. felt, you know, my mom and dad were right. I I can do anything. You have gifts, and you found them. <laughs> you found them as you went along in life, and you learned in different ways. Yeah. You you acted. <laughs> you acted in different ways, and so yeah. I strongly suggest that anyone listening to this, you buy several copies, share them with your friends, preferably uh, order them right now at LookingUp.com. LookingUp.com pre-order. 
and take advantage of that. See everything. By the way, there is also a TED Talk that Michelle L. Sullivan did, and I loved it. It was at the TED Women 2016. It was great. You can find her there. And uh, let's just kind of close up there. Michelle Sullivan, uh, title of the book is Looking Up, How a Different Perspective Turns Obstacles Into Advantages. Michelle, thanks so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. Thank you. Keep looking up. The view is great. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builder Show. To learn more about me, and I'm Marty Wolf, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And, of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builder shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf.